Welcome to Fleet Baptist Church. We hope you enjoy the latest in our teaching series. I want to, uh, I want to do a, a sort of a, a two-part message this morning, um, a sort of twin-track message, if you like, because I want to speak to Lee, and, and I want us to, in a sense, commission Lee, which we've, we've done by laying on of hands and anointing him with oil. But uh, I'd like to just share some thoughts as Lee begins his ministry. So a lot of what I'm going to be saying over the next few minutes, particularly the first part of this message, is going to be aimed specifically at Lee. But every one of us is called by God. So what I'd like you to do is, is understand that what I'm talking to Lee about is specific to his calling, but we can each take what I'm about to say and apply it to our own calling. Does that make sense? So forgive me if I sort of focus a bit on Lee. It's also to make sure that he stays awake. <laughs> But, but then after I've done that, I want to then apply that to all of us as well. So, so in the first part, I'm, I'm aiming it towards Lee, um, but we can draw from it. But then in the second part, I'll, I'll bring that to how that affects all of us. Does that make sense? So, Lee, you've, you've done your training. You've got your degree. Hallelujah. And you've been equipped and trained as a, as a pastor, you, you've done your pastoral training, you've done your worship training, and now it's time to sort of get on with it. Hallelujah. All those days sat in lecture halls and you're thinking, why am I doing this? Look around this room. This is why you're doing this, for what you're called to now. But the role of pastor is somewhat unique. It's a strange role. What other job are you expected to be a friend, a teacher, a bookkeeper, a counsellor, a therapist, a businessman, a caretaker, a referee, and a parent? <laughs> you might not know this. Historically, if you wanted to be ordained as a minister, you had first to study law. Then you had to study medicine and become a GP before you were allowed to go on and study theology. It's partly because of the role of the minister involved all of those things. But it was also because theology it was regarded then as the hardest subject to study, that you had to prove that you could do those other things before you could go on and do theology. Lee, you are genuinely, as of now, on call 24-7-365. You do get a day off, but only until someone wants you. The pay is appalling. The hours are grueling. I've averaged over 80 hours a week since I've been a pastor. And your career prospects are minimal. <laughs> and despite the fact that you've spent the last four years full-time training for this, everybody else knows better. Never forget that. This is absolutely true. Last night on my Facebook, somebody posted this. If done properly, being a pastor is a walk in the park. Jurassic Park, <laughs> but it's a park. <laughs> I sent that to Lee last night just as an encouragement. 
I want to read from 1 Kings 19. Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he'd killed all of the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a message to Elijah, to the man of God, to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. In other words, I'm going to kill you. Elijah, the man of God, was afraid. And he ran for his life. This is meant to be encouraging, right? When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. He was alone. While he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough! Lord, he said, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down to sleep under the broom tree, hoping to die. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. And he looked around, and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and then lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him and said, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. You cannot do it alone. So he got up and ate and drank, strengthened by that food. He traveled for 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave, and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword, and I'm the only one left, and now they want to take my life too. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore through the mountains, tore them apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in that wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And the voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord. The Israelites have rejected your covenant and broken down your altars and put your prophets to death by the sword. And I'm the only one left and now they're trying to kill me. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came. Go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel, Meloah. And to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will be put to death by any who escape the school of Hazael. And Elisha will put to death any who escape him. Yet I reserve a thousand. 
7,000, sorry, in Israel, whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen and he himself was driving the fifth pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. And Elisha left his oxen and ran after Elijah and said, let me kiss my father and mother goodbye and then I will come with you. Elijah says, go back, what have I done to you? So Elijah, Elisha, <laughs> Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke and oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant. I hope that's encouragingly. Elijah begins running in fear. And when you step out and say, I will follow Jesus, there are times when all of the company of hell is released against you. And Jezebel threatened the man of God, the one who said, I am all sold out for God. Jezebel told lies about him. And sought to bring about an end, not only to his ministry, but to his life. And the devil's role is to steal and kill and destroy. He is always in the business of seeking to tear down. And it happens with words. Notice what it was that frightened Elijah the most. The words of this woman who was listening to the voice of the devil. The words which tore straight to his heart, that was what frightened him. If they'd come at him with a sword, I want to suggest he'd have been bold and a mighty man. But the tongue, the tongue is what causes most damage. I have not discussed this message with Rachel. I, didn't know not, I did not know what she was going to say a few minutes ago and she did not know what I'm about to preach. The tongue carries power. It carries the power of life and death. And when you are someone that is saying, I am sold out for Jesus, when you give your life to say, I will serve him, I will be that man of God you're calling me to be, is what Lee is saying. The company of hell will seek to tear down, steal, kill, and destroy. And I tell you, it'll happen predominantly through words. That's the attack you've got to look for, Lee. That is the attack you've got to be mindful of. And you see, what happens most often is the attack that will bring you down comes on the lips of somebody within the body of Christ. Every single one of us in this room, without exception, has the potential to be a tool in the devil's hands. Every one of us, without exception. When we say something that does not build up, when we say something that does not bring life, because if we're not building up, we are tearing down. There's no static. If you're not building up, you are tearing down. If you are being silent, you are tearing down. We have to be active in speaking those words of encouragement, speaking those words of truth, and actually challenging when other people are ripping people to shreds. 
you know, there is a world out there that needs to be saved. And when I look at what is happening politically in our land in these days, if I say the word Brexit, and I am not going to make any political statement about it other than to say, our politics are an absolute disgrace. What is happening in Parliament is an absolute disgrace on all sides of the House. As I've been watching over the last few days, I have been ashamed to know that that is being beamed live around the world. And we are a laughingstock. There is a world out there that needs the gospel message to be proclaimed. And why is it that the church is not doing it? Because the church is spending all of its time ripping itself to shreds. And Jesus said, a house divided against itself will not stand. And you see, Lee, what Elijah did, he knew what he was called to do. And he went and he obediently served the Lord. And fire from heaven came down and consumed the offering on the mountainside as a demonstration of the presence and the favor of God upon the man of God. But even though he had seen great signs and wonders, one word from a woman who did not like him ripped him to shreds, and he ran for the hills. But you know, Lee, in those moments where you want to run for the hills, I want to give you some advice. Run for the hills. <laughs> because while Elijah was running for the hills, the angel of the Lord strengthened him on the journey. And the hills he ran for were the hills that contained the mountain of God. When you run for the hills in those moments where it feels like it's all too much for you, and those days will come. When you run for the hills, make sure the hill you run for is the hill of the Lord. And why is it that there on the hill of the Lord, we're told about the earthquake, the wind and the fire? Why is it we're told about these incredible manifestations? It's because usually that is what we should expect to see. So often you hear people talking absolute nonsense about this passage, saying, well, God doesn't move in those ways. He's just in a still, small voice. Nonsense! It's precisely because he does speak in those powerful ways that it was a surprise that on that occasion he didn't. The reason he whispered was because he needed Elijah to get so close to him to be able to hear his voice. There are moments, and you will see them, when God will move through the earthquake, the wind, and the fire, you will see supernatural manifestations of power. You will see those in your ministry. You have seen them already, and I declare over you right now a massive increase in those. Healings, miracles, prophetic signs, and wonders. I declare those over you in the name of Jesus. But there will be moments where God says, I'm going to speak so quietly that you have to get close to me to hear it. And this is where it applies to every single one of us when we want to hear the voice of God. There are so many other voices that are shouting at the tops of their voices, clamoring for your attention. But if you want to hear the voice of truth, you have to go up the mountain of the Lord. You have to get so close to him that those other voices that I tell you, they won't come up the mountain, by the way. They don't want to be in the presence of God. They will stand in the valley and they will shout 
For the higher up the mountain you go, the quieter those voices become and the more you can hear the gentle whisper of God. So if you want to hear the voice of God, don't stay in the valley. Climb up the mountain. Run for the hills. Run for the hills. And what is it that God spoke to Elijah? He spoke three things. He spoke to console him. And we need a father to console us. We need those words of encouragement. We have those days, every one of us as disciples, where we say, as Elijah did, I've had enough. I've had enough. I reached that point a few weeks ago. And before the summer, I said to God, I have had enough. I cannot do this anymore. It is killing me. And bless you, you allowed us to have some time off. And I've come back refreshed. But in those moments, God strengthened him. In those moments where you feel ready to give up, run for the hills. And let the angels of God come and minister to you and bring you a message of hope direct from the Father's heart. Let him feed you. Notice what he fed him. Bread. Feed upon the bread of heaven in those moments. Feed upon the word of God and let God console you. The second thing is he will comfort him. God will speak words of comfort. Confront, sorry. He'll confront him. What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? What are you up to? Why are you doing that? Why are you living that way? Why are you spending your money like that? Why are you saying that? I need Holy Spirit to be the voice of God which says to me, why are you doing that? I want conviction. And by the way, I don't want it to come from you. I want it to come from Holy Spirit. You see, because when it comes from you, more often than not, it's not conviction, it's condemnation. I mean, you're very able to point out my faults. Thank you. <laughs> Let God do it. He's better at it. He, he understands my brokenness. He understands why I'm doing and saying the things I'm doing and the way I'm saying I'm doing them. And he's much more forgiving than you are. And to be honest with you, it will carry more weight if he says it. What I need is to be loved and built up because I'm human. What Lee needs is to be loved and built up. What the person sat either side of you, the person sat next to you, what they need is to be loved and built up. I remember someone who's no longer in this church saying to me once, you do know that I pray for you every day, don't you? And I said, yes, but are you for me when you pray? It's all very well praying that, Lord, please remove him. That's not, you know... <laughs> It's not really helpful. <laughs> I want to be built up and encouraged because the word encourage means to put courage into. When, when I work, speak a word of encouragement to you, it puts courage in you to be bold and courageous. And Joshua 1 says, be bold and courageous for then you will lead people to inherit the promises of God. But you can only do it when you're emboldened, when you're encouraged. Not when you're spending all of your time fighting off the words that people have spoken over you. So Lee, as you run for the hills, 
the Lord will console you, but he'll also sometimes confront you. But also what he'll do is he'll commission you. And today is about commissioning this young pastor. But every day, God commissions us. Every day, he has a commission for us. He told him, go. Go find Elisha. This is the task I've got for you. Go find him. Anoint him. Raise him up. Equip him. And he's going to take over from you in the fullness of time. That was his commission. What is it that God is calling you to do today? Not what was it he called you to do 25 years ago. What's he calling you to do today? And when you run for the hills, when you run for the mountain of the Lord, when you seek the presence of God and listen to the still, small voice of the Father, he will tell you what it is for today. And Elisha, I love his response. He was a wealthy man. To have 12 yoke of oxen was astounding. And he was driving the last pair. In other words, he'd got servants doing all the others. He was employing a large number of people. He was a wealthy man. And when the man of God comes to him, and in this sense, Elijah is a prophetic forerunner of Jesus. When God's anointed came, and he saw God's anointed, his response was to immediately cut off his dependence upon himself. He, he could have said to one of his servants, perhaps the one he trusted the most, look, you run the business for me. I'm going off on a bit of a sabbatical. Might be a few years, might never come back, but make sure that when you get the profits, you put them into my account, pay the others, and uh, you know, I'll live on the profits. He could have done that. But his statement to the, the anointed one of God was, I am going to be so utterly dependent upon God that in this moment it is all for Jesus. All for my God. And so he slaughtered the oxen. He burnt the yokes. So there was no going back. He burnt his bridges, if you like. There was no way back. And the trouble is that in the West, what so many of us do is we make sure that we have got an insurance policy. So that if God doesn't come through, we'll be okay because we've got something to fall back on. Jesus is my insurance policy. And so what Lee has done is a prophetic picture for every one of us. He's made a decision to say all for Jesus. He's made a decision to say, I've got no way back. I've got nowhere else to go. If the Lord doesn't show up, I'm stuffed. That's theological language. We didn't get that at LST. And I believe God's going to honor you for that. I believe God is going to honor you. And the beautiful thing is, Lee, as you take that step of obedience as you take that bold and courageous step of saying, it is all for Jesus, you will be blessed, but so will everybody around you. And I want to commit myself to praying for you on a daily basis for purely selfish reasons. Because the more God blesses you, the more those anywhere around you are going to get the overflow. 
the more I pray for the anointing of God upon you, the more if I'm near enough, I'm going to get blessed by that. You see, that's how it works in God's economy. We get to enjoy the overflow of somebody else's anointing. Hallelujah. So what about the rest of us? Let me read to you from Matthew chapter 4. I'm nearly done, don't worry. Matthew 4, verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew, called Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. I mean, it would be a bit weird if you said they were casting nets into the lake because they were taxmen, wouldn't it? They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. God always meets you where you are at. He takes the abilities you've got, the training you've had, the experiences you've been through, and uses them for his glory. And he says, come follow me, and I'll send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets behind. They did not take with them an insurance policy. They left their nets behind. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets. And Jesus called them. And immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. Would you do something for me? Would you get your diary out? And when you've got it out, switch it on. <laughs> What's that? Is that paper? Gosh. <laughs> How long does the battery last on that one? <laughs> Forever. <laughs> Switch it on or open it up. And would you have a look at this coming week? <laughs> There's an appointment right there. Have a look at this coming week. Because I think we'd agree, wouldn't we, that we're all sold out for Jesus? It's not a trick question. Who's sold out for Jesus? What does your diary say? What, what does your diary say about your commitment to Jesus? How, how you are spending your time this coming week, or, or, or if you want to think back to last week. How does the way you chose to apportion your time, what does that say to Jesus? What does that say about how sold out you are for him? I know you're called to this job or whatever, so if you spend 150 hours in the week doing that job, you're doing it for Jesus. I know that. I've used that excuse as well. But aren't you called not only to kingdom wealth generation, that's a nice way of putting it, isn't it? Earning money. But also called to relate to other people. And, and aren't you called also to have time for other people? And aren't you called also to get out there and tell people who don't know about Jesus yet about Jesus? And aren't you called to spend time, first and foremost, with your heavenly Father? Now, it may well be that you can come up to me afterwards and say, have a look at my diary. 
90% of every day is spent in prayer. I can tell you, by the way, who are the ones that spend a lot of time in prayer. If you'd like a list of names, I can give them to you. Because I can see it. Because I can see the fruit. When people spend time with God, you see the fruit in their lives. You see the joy of Jesus on their face. You see the way they live their lives. It brings him glory. So I don't need to look in your diary. I could just see it on your face. And you can with mine. You see, the beautiful thing for us as a church, and this is where you get off the hook, is we've employed Lee. <laughs> so we don't have to. We, we've employed him to spend time in prayer, along with Nathan and Amy and Sue. And my job is to make sure they do it. I could sit in my office and shout through the door, have you spent enough time in prayer today? So we don't have to. It's great. You know, there's actually some people that believe that. There have been some churches over the generations, over the centuries, that believe that what you have to have is someone who is the one that has access to heaven, and if you want access to heaven, you go by that person. That's not what this book says. Friends, it's time to go up the mountain of the Lord. It's time to be commissioned afresh as disciples of Jesus, as women and men of God. It's time to say, actually, I'm going to run for the hills. I'm going to be strengthened from the hand of God. I'm going to be fed with the bread of heaven. And I am going to draw so close to God that I will hear when he whispers. A whisper that I'll only hear when I'm close enough to really feel the breath of my Father on my face. And then I will go. And I will do what he has said to do. And I will rip down the altars of Baal. I will rip down everything that is in opposition to the truth of the gospel of Jesus. And I will see the earthquake, the wind, and the fire because I have heard the still, small voice. And my life will bring glory to God. Who wants to live like that? Would you stand with me? You might want to just open your hands before you. It's a posturing thing saying, God, I want what you've got. I need what you've got. I can't do it without you. And so I simply pray right now, Lord, thank you for your patience with me. If you want to make this prayer your own, feel free. Father, I thank you for your patience with me. Lord, I've got it wrong so many times. Even today, I've got it wrong again. Forgive me, Lord, when my words have been hurtful to others. Forgive me when what I've spoken has been anything other than the truth. Forgive me when the way I've lived my life has been so selfish. Forgive me for being self-sufficient. 
cleanse my heart. I want to have clean hands and a pure heart that I might ascend the hill of the Lord. And thank you, Father, for those incredible supernatural manifestations of your presence that we see. But Lord, I want to be the one that goes up the mountain of the Lord to be so close to the presence of God that I hear the whisper of my Father. Holy Spirit, would you come now and place inside every one of us such a longing for the presence of God that every day this week we would run for the hills. We'd run for the mountain of God. Holy Spirit, would you give us such a longing within for the presence of God. And as we seek your face, Lord, would you speak? Speak a commissioning over our lives for this week. Speak direction over us for this week. Show us, Lord, what it is you're wanting us to do together with you. Let us see what Father is doing and join in. And Holy Spirit, will you anoint us with godly authority, with wisdom. And Lord, let everything we seek to do, let everything we say, bring you glory. And Lord, as we do that, may there be many who look at our lives together and individually who are drawn to you that this town, this region, this nation would be one for Jesus. Send your revival fires on this land, we pray. In the beautiful name of Jesus.